What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Sunday Golds. Uh, just doing a couple interviews here on this episode. I'm not going to be me and Aria. I'm just going to be doing a couple one-on-one interviews with FSC's assistant coaches. Uh, first, going to have Rich Wallace on, recruiting coordinator, uh, talking to him about you know the recruiting process here at FSU, how how it's different um, from Notre Dame. You know what he's learned from his other stops on the road been in a bunch of other spots as a recruiting coordinator and, and done a good job at a lot of different spots. So talking to him about recruiting, um, a little bit of the transition from Notre Dame to here with the staff, um, as well as talking about the catchers, the, the group that he works with on, in a day, day, on a day in and day out basis. Uh, after that, talking to Chuck Ristano, pitching coach, uh, just you know breaking down a lot of the staff. Um, they don't have roles in place yet. Uh, still one more week of scrimmaging to go here before they they define those roles and get everyone the positions they want. Um, but talked about, you know, a lot of the key pitchers on the staff, um, some general things with Chuck as well, what he likes to do pitching wise, what he, him and Link, uh, how they see things together and, and the way they go about their business. Um, really enjoyed my conversations with both um, about 18 minutes with, with Chuck on here. Um, I'm sorry, 18 minutes with Rich on here and about 28 minutes with with Chuck. Um, so a lot of information from both of them. Um, really enjoyed talking to both of them and really appreciate the time they took with me um, in these last couple weeks leading up to the season. Um, I know they're busy guys right now. So appreciate them very much for joining us here and, and breaking down a lot of things for us. So hope you enjoy this. Uh, first up, we got Rich Wallace, recruiting, recruiting coordinator for FSU. And then You'll hear pitching coach Chuck Rostano and I talking about the pitching staff. Hope you enjoy. First coach, just I think you've been here about seven, eight months now. Just just have you enjoyed Tallahassee so far and how's this transition been for you and your family? Uh, it's been great. Once we actually got down here and got through the, uh, the moving process of getting from South Bend and the Wallace Caravan, Heading down yeah. through 75, that was a bit of an adventure. We get, we actually got here and supposed to move in on the first. Okay. The uh, people that were supposed to be out of the house were not out of the house when we pulled in. So that, once we got through that and got the kids yeah. over there to Florida High, like it's it's been great. I mean, just what ended up leading to your decision to come down here with Link, and you know, how did you and Link, I guess, end up first connecting three three four years ago at Notre Dame? Well, I think we just coached against each other for a long time. A lot of mutual friends. Um, he called me and got a chance to go interview up there, and I think it just it worked. We kind of aligned the views, what we're trying to do recruiting-wise, player development, all that stuff aligned. And then once you get to work with that guy, like there's no better baseball coach or person that I've been around in this game that's that you could ever wish to work for than, than Lake Jarrett. So yeah. um, when I got another chance to do it a little closer to home yeah. in a place where I grew up in a, in a program that I know from the outside really well, like couldn't turn it down. And getting to come down here with also Chuck and, and Brad and, and Sean, just when you have that whole staff coming down, how much easier did it, did it make that transition for you? Way, I mean, it's you can't even express how much better that is for us as a staff just because it's kind of a family. And the way our setup was at Notre Dame, like our offices right. were like in the size of this office. We had tables next to each other. You go re- grow really yeah. close with those guys in that environment and in the situations we were in and what we were able to do together. To be able to do that, and, and for our families too, like right. Chuck's kids and my kids, yeah. and 
miss miss Jarrett and everybody being still together. Like it's it's been great. You grew up in Orlando, went to UCF, also coached at UCF and Jacksonville. Yep. Just to be back in Florida, just just how ecstatic are you to be down here, coaching here, recruiting here in this state? Well, it's it's home. It's it's just different when you're down here, being from here. Everywhere you go, you're seeing somebody you grew up with, somebody that you played with. That just those relationships. It's it's like coming home a little bit for me. Right. I guess just how did you, I mean going back and what did you learn about Link in those last in those three years at Notre Dame? And I guess just what's something about him that people wouldn't know, but you've been able to see from behind the scenes. Man, I don't know. Like something people wouldn't know. Oof, that's tough. But like. For him, he's the same guy every day. Like he's so detail oriented, and then he, you can just tell how much he loves coaching, developing the kids. Like he's just not in that for the baseball part of it too. So, yeah. I mean, if we're just doing this purely to win games, I don't, I don't know that it makes it as, as exactly what we want. Right. Um, but like he does that at a high level, and then obviously the you saw you see the results on the field like that, yeah. that all speaks for itself but he's just not in it for that too so and, you, and you can feel that as yeah. part of the staff are we doing the right things for the kids all the time and that's a focus of his that's something that's probably a little different than most programs like we all try to do it but like right. he's really set on making sure we do the right things for all the kids in every way we can all the time you, you've been in a few different spots as a recruiting coordinator in some unique spots high point I think Creighton and then Notre Dame, of course, with the academic stuff there. I guess when you've been at all those different places, like how how much does it help you learning different kinds of, of recruiting and, and learning the entire landscape of so many different areas? Well, that's the biggest part, I think. Just each place has its own niche with the type of kid and the type and where that kid is coming from. Um, parts of the country, like when I was at Creighton, we could go out to the West Coast. We we went up in the Minnesota and the Oklahomas and pretty much everywhere. And the Notre Dame, you're, you're coast to coast. Um, but your pool of kids that you can actually recruit is probably smaller than right. most just with the academic requirements. Um, and just being able to develop relationships in all different areas of this country with different people, like that's probably the biggest asset. How much different does it does it does the recruiting look like here compared to at Notre Dame? And I guess have you had to make a big adjustment or is it just some small adjustments to, to what you're doing here? Well, I think this still is a national brand, so there's right. some similarities with that. Um, I think what you're dealing with here as opposed to Notre Dame, like the local, like within three hours, the amount of kids yeah. you can you have access to and can see playing or where like you, three hours from Notre Dame, you're not getting the same type of, right. the just pure amount of baseball players. Yeah. Uh, we spend a lot of time going to Chicago and things like that, but like, you can go down I ten if you can get to seventy five, like up and down it. It's countless numbers of really talented student athletes. And how how fun is that as a recruiting coordinator? Where, I mean, you could leave here fifteen minutes and and go find really good baseball players, but you could also go down to Tampa, Orlando, Jacksonville, and just find guy after guy at all different types of schools. It's it's exciting too, and I've done it the other way. I've done it from kind of recruiting in Florida and going to somewhere else and right. being the difference. And sometimes, like in the state of Florida, you go to high school games and there's a handful of really good players. And mm -hmm. in some other parts of the country, you can go to that high school game and you walk out, you get out of the car and you walk to the field and you're like, there, there's the guy. Yeah. There's the one guy that right. I know I'm here to see. You can mm -hmm. out like a sore thumb. I mean, now with the transfer portal the way it is and so many guys in there and, you know, you also have JUCO and you have high school. When, when there's so many different players everywhere you look I guess is there a certain type of balance you're trying to find between the numbers between 
transferred you to go high school or is it just a year-to-year process that you're evaluating? I think it's just a year-to-year process, kind of where the roster is, what next year's team really needs to be mm-hmm. successful, and then you look at the years after that. Right. We're trying to kind of backfill and making sure we're okay where we need to be um, just with the type of players that we're looking for um, with this program when we take it forward. I think you guys have had three or four prospect camps here so far. Mm-hmm. Just how have those been for you guys, and how important are those to your evaluation process as a whole? Well, they've, they've been great. Um, Brad does an unbelievable job mm-hmm. of setting those up and making sure they run like clockwork. And I think for us, with the way the recruiting is, and this is not just us, but everybody, the way the recruiting is with when we have access to them, how we have access to them, how early the recruiting process is now, if they're not at the camp, you're truly just going on somebody else telling you who the kid is and how right. you're going to interact with the kid because you just you can't get around them. Like you can watch them on the field, but you can't really contact them at all. You can't get to know them um, because the recruiting process is so sped up that when you get them at camp, you can kind of see how they go about their business, how they react to right. to us as coaches because in our camps, we're, we're out there with them. Like it's kind of a little bit of the practice feel that they would have here and you get to know the kid a lot better, and they get to know you too, so yeah. that's got to work both ways. Versus, versus, you know, like when I was coming out, yeah. I didn't go to a camp till my junior year, and like mm-hmm. you could go on the visit and meet everybody, and right. like this is a totally different landscape in recruiting that we're in. And then going along those lines with, with the visits and getting to meet some of your recruits that you've had, um, how big is, are those opportunities to build relationships for when those guys do end up here down the road? Well, I think you're trying to do that as much as you can. Right. And, and develop it so that when they get here, you know them as, as well as you can. Yeah. Um, and obviously when you get them here, the difference between that kid that you met when they were 15 years old versus the 18-year-old kid that's out of high school and showing up here at a new place for the first time, like you can see some changes. But if you didn't know the kid, like you don't know if there was changes or what yeah. he's going through. But that relationship when you're trying to coach the whole individual as right. opposed to just the baseball player. Yeah, and then when you guys got here, Courtney Caswell, who had already been working here, got promoted to the recruiting assistant, I think is the technical term. But just how much of a help has she been to you guys? Think she helps you guys on, on visits and stuff like that? I, I don't think we could do it without her. Yeah. She's She's been that instrumental in everything that we do, especially with the visits, especially with helping us understand a little bit deeper in the floors. I think she's got three degrees. Is that right? Can you fact check that? <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. And I remember when I first got here, I coached, like, hey, why don't you go on the tour with Courtney to see what it's like? And I was like 30 seconds in that thing, and I called Link, and I was like, Link, like, I don't need to be on this thing. She's got it. It's knocked down. Like, I could, nobody could do this better than Courtney right. Caswell. Moving to the, the field and, and what the group you guys have here now, just you guys have been going through a couple weeks of preseason so far. Just just what have you thought about how the guys look out there and, and the process of, of where you guys are trying to go? Yeah, I think they're starting to get a hold of some of the things that we're trying to do with the team defense, with the specific offensive offense that we're trying to run like you can see they're they're grasping kind of what we're trying to do the execution's not exactly where you want it to be it's not completely fine-tuned but I think we're heading in that direction um, the effort's been great just the cleaning up of the execution right. I think is probably the biggest thing and, and it's still early yeah. and it's going to be March April before you start seeing some of those things happening whether it's an experience yeah. or not like it's just that's the, the ebb and flow of the season you guys are already working on scatter reports for, for games. I mean, how much preparation goes into every weekend, every game you guys play? I mean, tons from, from Brad and I trying to get ready for defensive alignments right. to preparing for not only the starters, for the bullpen guys, 
how they use them, when they use them, who they're going to use them against. I mean, we're trying to get those kids where they don't have to worry about that. That's not even a thought. They're completely prepared for that. Um, it's, I mean, I couldn't even tell you how many hours. Right. It just depends on when the internet's better. So I'm just glad I got good yeah. internet at the home so I can go home and do some of it. But. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're, you're out there as a third base coach and you work with the base runners a lot, I guess. Just what goes into a good base running team and, and how do you try to, how, how do you try to coach that into guys, I guess? Or is it just instincts in the players you have? Well, and I think a lot of it, we get asked that a lot. Yeah. And I think if you come to our practice, the, the best thing that we do as a staff for creating that is just put them out there and, and shoot those balls out right. of the machine around and, and put them in as best as you can in those situations that truly only happen in games. Um, and I've done it where you're running in with nobody out there and no infielders and guys are hitting flungos and we're just trying to go through it. That's part of it. But until you put them out there with some reaction of the ball that's realistic and, and make them do it, make the whole team do it and let them learn from not only their mistakes, but the other people that are going to, somebody's right. going to make a mistake. Like yeah. not, you got 20 guys out there, they're going to make a mistake and being able to learn from that stuff that they see out there on the field that they're going to play at and try to do it full speed and try to do it with the base coaches, not only for the base runners to get a feel for how I do it and what I look like when I'm doing it, for me to see how they look in, in real time. Right. Because I'm going to have to make a decision on real time and I got to kind of know what it looks like when they're at full speed without actually watching them. So if we don't practice that in yeah. practice, I have no clue. And that's something I've never done really until I was with, with Link was that style of base running where I'm out there all the time trying to learn them and he may be a better base coach because of the way yeah. we do those base running drills. At Notre Dame, you guys always had you know aggressive teams that stole a lot of bases, took extra bases. Do you feel like you have a good group here to do that this year? I mean, you guys have a lot of athletic guys out there, I think. Yeah, they're, I think the athleticism's out there. I think they're starting to understand what to look for because there's always a, a chink in the armor. Like right. Something's being presented out there that you can take advantage of. I think we're doing a little bit better job of understanding what that is and then being okay with running in and out every once in a while as long as it's the right one like if right. that may, if it, that it makes sense um you saw something that looked right and it just didn't turn out we're okay with that like that's completely fine with us yeah. versus not being aggressive and leaving something on the table that could have been taken care of you work day in and day out with the catchers i guess just the group as a whole how do you how do you feel about it going into the season and, and, and the depth that you guys have there yeah i think as a whole like from one through five or six, depending on who you yeah. consider one of those guys. Like it's an extremely um, talented group from top to bottom. Um, some guys do some things better than others, but as a whole, it's it's really there's a lot of depth there. There's some talent. There's some arm strength. There's some athleticism. There's some guys with some offensive capabilities. Um, just trying to you know fine tune some of the things that they're really good at, like mm -hmm. get them better at those right. and the things the deficiencies you're trying to to hammer through those without making them think about the deficiencies too much. Because right. <laughs> you got to go back there and we got to prepare to catch some, some yeah. big stuff. Like we can we can do certain drills, but like <laughs> we got to we got to learn how to catch 85 to 87 mile per hour left-handed sliders yeah. that don't always end up where you want them to end up and we got to figure it out. Right. And, and you can see that like some of our guys look really good with some guys on the mound and then some of those upper level guys yeah. it's a little harder to deal with and you don't know that until you until you get back there and catch it. So, right. That's an experience thing on that part. I know McGuire's down with the hand right now, mm -hmm. but the offensive talent he, he possesses when he comes back in the bat, I mean, I think he only struck out like 11% last year while also, you know, powering the ball to the, all parts of the field. Just how impressive is his, his bat talent? 
Oh, he could always hit. I've known the kid for a long time, and he's the kind of kid that you know wakes up on Christmas morning and hits a line drive. Like that's just right. what he's always been. I've been more impressed with just kind of where he's been defensively, mm-hmm. like from where he was in high school to where he is now. Significant improvement from where he was the day he showed up to before he had the little injury. Like significant improvement with all phases, receiving, blocking, throwing. Like he's he's headed in the right direction. Colton is the veteran of that group before being here, I guess. Just how has he been working with those other guys, the young guys, and, and what have you seen from him? The, the leadership quality in, in practice has been great, especially when we get to the individual stuff where I'm, there's four guys there, so I'm working with one, and Col- I always have Colton with the younger guy right. as best I can, and he's he can explain what we're trying to do when I can't lock in on that guy right that second, and he's he's been great with that. And he's seen so many things. Right in a game setting and he's had experience it for the first time just like they are so him being able to talk through some of that stuff that he sees that they don't even understand what they're looking at yet yeah. <laughs> like as far as the way the game's playing what's right. happening in front of them kind of thinking through that he's been he's been unbelievable with that stuff especially with with Santi and yeah. and Lance and, and those guys and, he, and even even uh, Baz like he's an older player but just with the injuries he hasn't right. been back there that much so he's he helps him with some of the stuff too because Baz is a really talented right. receiver and blocker and just got to get him how valuable is Colton's experience with those guys that you were talking about some of those high level arms like Carson um, especially you know with the turbo sinker that he throws with Wyatt the slider he throws his ability to go out there and know exactly what those guys are going to look like for him yeah I mean, you've seen that pitch from that angle from that guy and there's also everybody has tendencies too, so right. like stuff's gonna go wrong, and usually goes wrong the same way with every arm. Um, and he's seen that, and he knows how to handle them. His relationship with them is is key because when they're excited, when we might not know it as coaches, but the catcher knows it because he's around them all the time. Um, being able to calm them down or maybe get them going, right. like, yeah, it's it's all touch and feel with the catcher. And if you don't have that relationship or ever been around them, mm-hmm. it's hard to know when to push that certain button. I think he's got a good feel of that. Right. I mean. You mentioned Santiago and Lance, the the young guys you got back there. Just just how have you seen them develop since they got here, and how excited are you to see them, you know, continue to develop down the line? Well, I think that the big they all have massive massive amounts right. of ability to do it. Um, just learning that you know it's a longer game, the stuff is better, every pitch is magnified at our level. We're in high school, like if you miss a pitch, like right. that's probably still not scoring and. A lot of their you're in in high school a lot of your worth as a catcher is probably being able to throw where here it's you better catch every ball receive every ball that you can block every pitch and control pitching staff and then our pitchers can pretty much handle the for the most part the the running game because right. they're just not going to be allowed to be a one six and, and and do those things so learning that and understanding the, the importance of not taking a pitch off and and all those things. It's just a little different level for them. Do you think the transition from high school to, to college at the catcher position is the hardest of any transition, just like kind of like a quarterback in college? I, th- I think as a whole, just because of the level of stuff you have to catch. Right. And every arm that comes out is probably the best arm you saw in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, and handling that, the nine innings, the wear and tear on the body, the having to base run, which is what most high school guys – they get a hit and somebody else runs out there for the speed up for most of their career and travel ball and that stuff and they don't run the bases. Yeah. And now you it's real baseball now, so you gotta run the bases and play nine innings and catch every day. Like that's it's a hard thing to do. And to be productive offensively at the same time. And not and not letting the lack of offensive production 
affect you behind the plate too. Like right. that's that's a tough thing because it all kind of snowballs together. Yeah, and then it's just just lastly, how excited are you to get out here in eleven days? I mean, section of the animals will be right there cheering and full of house. I'm guessing here. Just how excited are you to be on here at Dick Houser? Obviously, super excited. Just haven't looked up yet. Like yeah. I think about it sometimes. Then then all we all I go to is man, we got a lot of stuff to do before yeah. we get to that yeah. point. Um, but it's just I've been in this place a, a countless times and NCAA tournaments and midweek games and like it's an electric atmosphere and I've never ever ran out there and had them cheering for the team that I'm coaching so yeah. that's a little excited to hear the other yeah. the other side of it every time I've ever ran that out there it was, was as a visiting team so yeah. in multiple dugouts right so yeah I guess you'll be back in first base yes. yes. I've been year. in all of them so yeah right. I appreciate it coach all right thanks Brett I'm up in the Dick Hauser press box with new FSU pitching coach, Chuck Rustano. Coach, just how's the transition to Tallahassee been for you and your family? I think you've been here for seven or eight months now. Just how's Tallahassee life been for you? It's been great. I, you know, the baseball is kind of the thing that I have the most familiarity with. So mm -hmm. moving into a new city, uh, making new friends, your kids going to different schools. I've kind of said this to uh, everybody who's asked me, the transition to baseball at Florida State has been great because our staff is very familiar with each other. We have people like Nikki and Courtney and Big Shooter, of course, mm -hmm. that have made the work-life transition easy. Finding dentists and pediatricians mm -hmm. in the right grocery store, like, those those are the stress points. Right. Overall, everything has been great. I mean, you were at Notre Dame for a little over a decade, I think, and just how hard was that decision when you were trying to make it, and, and ultimately what did lead to your decision to, to come down here with Link and the staff? It was the baseball piece, the opportunity to work at for a, a baseball brand and program with such history here made the decision very easy. Executing the logistics of it, you know, my wife being a coach at Notre Dame and fundamentally kind of changing her career, that's where there were some stress points. But being able to work and have some success with Link and not just on the baseball field, but have a great working and true like friendship with the rest of our staff, that kind of took care of the personal side where the business side for me was a no-brainer. I love Notre Dame with all I've got, and I'm very proud that we closed the book in the manner yeah. that we did because um, I had seen a lot of ups and downs at Notre Dame. But the baseball and X's and O's of it, it was an opportunity that – but honestly, I jumped at, even though the pace of it in the summer maybe right. wasn't as fast as, uh, you know, we'd all maybe have anticipated. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is going to be your fourth year with Link. Um, you know, before he came to Notre Dame, I guess, what did you know about him? And then what have you learned about him over the last few years? We kind of ran in similar circles. I can't say we knew each other well. I think we knew of each other. It's funny how baseball has this, like, small degrees of separation where, one of my best friends in coaching, who I worked with at Monmouth University way back at the beginning of my coaching career, is Mike Bell's recruiting coordinator at Pitt. Mm -hmm. So Bell and I have a great relationship. Ty McGay, who's the guy I'm talking about, played for Link at Mercer, and they worked together at Auburn. And then guys like Chris Hart and some of the other coaches in the league, I think when Link got the job and we had connected, unbeknownst to me, people really advocated for me 
Uh, and I appreciate that. And once Link and I got together and got to talking about our vision for Notre Dame, we fell in step very quickly as far as what we value as, as coaches, the, the holistic approach to the game. More than anything, um, like you're looking at father of two wildly successful kids, um, you know, good husband, like family person. And like it's in some sense like a model of what I hope my family evolves into. So I can't say I knew all of that in the front end, but it came forward very early in my relationship with Link. Right. And then getting to make the move also with Wally, um, Brad, Sean. I mean, Wally, when I spoke to Wally yesterday, he said, you know, even your friends, your, your kids still get to be friends yeah. with each other. Just how, how, e how much easier did that make the move as well? Tremendously. And I think, like, for me specifically and my wife, who had spent the bulk of our careers in one place, the move is um, it, it's stressful. Executing it, you figure it out, you do it, and it's probably not as huge a deal as it was in your mind. But having like Wally and Brad and Link who had moved around a little more frequently than I had to kind of see me through like the ups and downs of like, here's what a home sale is supposed to look like, or here's, you need to talk to this person about this tax advantage, you know? That was the logistics, they helped me so tremendously, but also just like the personal relationships. Um, we do genuinely, really care about each other our children care about each other and that was a game changer for me the professional piece we respect and work so with each other so well but on the personal level like i'm too old to go to work with right. people i don't like yeah. <laughs> these people are just tremendous yeah. and they become like an extension of my family and you guys added seth manis to the staff as well when you guys got here five-year big leaguer i think just what is his experience? How much does that help the guys, what he can tell them about where he's been and what he's done? He's going to help us run that bullpen during mm -hmm. the games. Having a guy out there who's done it and executed it, I think particularly with the youth of this pitching staff, their bullpen management is going to be so critical in terms of their volume, their intensity, how they need to get loose when we need them to. So having that voice out there is so important. It's another set of eyes on the whole program, not just the pitchers, because he did have some experience as a position player. He is a really good balancing personality as well when it comes to Lincoln, myself, who I think are a bit more type A, wound a little tighter, where I think Seth is a bit, Seth and Sean Guide are like kind of our cooler customers. So that balancing coupled with just his experience and, and his willingness to share has really made uh, I, I think some real progress sure. with some of our, our pitchers. How enjoyable has the process been of just getting to learn your pitchers, not just what they do on the mound, but off the field and, and learning every kid's personality, I guess. I take like a real authentic um, responsibility and, and just interest in like who they are. Mm -hmm. Like I had coached against some of these guys. So you have an opinion of them before you coach them from across the diamond. You have an opinion, you know, you think about what's Carson Montgomery really like? What's Wyatt really like as a person? So I really enjoy digging into, like, who they fundamentally are as people. And I feel like cultivating that relationship is both authentic but intentional because I, I feel like if we're going to ask them to make the adjustments we need them to make, whether it's somebody who's got a couple of years of Florida State under their belts or a freshman that we're meeting each other for the first time because we didn't have a relationship in the recruiting process, I think the fact that they know we care and that they have somebody who's got their back when even when the uniform comes off, I think is critically important both to their college experience, 
but also their player development. And uh, it's been a lot of fun because some guys, their personality doesn't match maybe what I had on my scouting report from across the diamond a year ago. And that's kind of been fun to uncover that. Everybody's been fantastic. I know we talked about it a little bit before we got on here, but you you guys don't have defined roles yet, but how much of a process has that been trying to figure out where guys are going to fit? And I guess just are you trying to figure out where everyone fits for the best value for the whole staff? Just what goes into that process of trying to define guys' roles? I think you, you just think about how we can put together successful games, weekends, midweeks, and then obviously seasons. Our responsibility is to Florida State University first, the baseball team, and then each individual player. And all three of those are critically important. The mixture and the how we can weaponize our artillery to structure games and put people in the best position to succeed and, of course, our team to succeed, that process is really still unfolding. And as we've watched these guys extend, it has crystallized to some degree, but we've still got a good, healthy week of inner squads to determine how to best deploy our best weapons. Right. When you have an inexperienced staff, how do you try and get guys ready for certain roles? Is it just scrimmaging a lot and putting them in those situations in scrimmages? Yeah, I think that's critically important, how we set up some of the runners. And, you know, you've been to enough of them, you hear the dialogue. And the voice you'll hear most frequently is Lynx. Mm-hmm. And it's the entire team. The fact that he has an idea of what's going on with the pitchers, he's involved in terms of what the expectation is, I think is really important for that. He's the guy who's writing the lineup. He's the guy who's taking the baseball from them. So, yes, we're on kind of pitcher island when we're working and cultivating stuff and presence. But when it's time to perform and we'll, we'll scrimmage, you know, four times a week, it's good that the head coach is really yeah. tuned in. That helps, I think, accelerate the developmental curve. Really reliant on guys like Wyatt and Carson mm-hmm. and J-Bomb who are, and Witt who are reestablishing, like, what the norms are around the pitching staff, like the work habits. Right. We have fun. We We – Keep it loose, but I think each guy knows every day, like, when they come to work, what is expected of them. It's articulated well. It has to be executed at a high level or they're going to hear about it. And, yes, we can still make it fun out there with a high degree of focus. I think since you guys have got here, the two things you've really emphasized on the mound is, I think, fastball command and the, the, the breaking ball for swing and miss. And to me, it seems like in this preseason, a lot of guys' breaking balls have kind of taken a step forward. Does it seem like that way to you? And I guess just how much of an emphasis do you guys have on that on a, on a week-to-week basis? I think we're always trying to get our stuff to whatever its peak is. I think once you get to this level, you're making minor adjustments. Mm-hmm. There's very few guys that have to be wildly overhauled. But I think as particularly the younger guys and their secondary stuff, as they get more comfortable with it and the execution of it, I think the biggest jump a guy makes – from high-level high school baseball to elite-level college baseball is the accountability for the execution of the pitch, whether that's the ferocity of the pitch, the location of the pitch. I think sometimes guys got away with just, I'm going to throw my slider, and because I threw my slider, I'm going to have a good result because nobody's ever barreled my slider. When in reality, you have to kind of get down to specificity of, I'm going to throw my slider because it's angry and because I started it in the low and away zone, and it wound up in the chase zone. I think just the constant attention to that becomes critical. Um, 
I absolutely subscribe to the idea that we are also building pitchers in the athletic training room and in the weight room, and Stoney and Jamie do a really good job of, like, our guys are bigger, faster, stronger now than they were six months ago, and I think that has helped add some of the arm speed, grip strength on a breaking ball that you're looking for. So it's not all just bullpen adjustments. It truly is kind of a, a team. Right. With Wyatt, I think we all know what the fastball and the slider do, but he's talked to me a little bit about his improvement in the changeup, working on that, and also – He's always been someone that he's just kind of, you know, I, I'll start if they want me to start. I'll, I'll be in the bullpen if they want me to be in the bullpen. Just how much of a luxury is that for a guy of his caliber to just kind of be like, I'll do whatever you need me to do. He cares about the team. He wants to win. It's funny, like, he was a guy, I remember him, like, his freshman year. He's, I think he's playing center field against yeah. us at Notre Dame. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, oh, why at the position player? I actually showed him at Oxford a video of him getting a hit off Oxford the other day. I was like, you, you didn't want to do that anymore. Yeah? He's like, I'll do whatever you ask me to do, but I love pitching. Yeah. And, I mean, the fact that he went out and sent – most pitchers would dream of being a position yeah. player. I don't think he really enjoyed that. But the fact that he did that as a freshman, he operated in the role he was in last year, and the fact that he's open to any and everything mm. right now tells you about his character. Um, and he's been an outstanding performer, but he's, in, he's engaging. He's a, a great leader. Um, it's not always vocal, but you pick your head up and you watch. You look in our bullpen, and he's always doing the right thing, and he's he's always kind of looking over his shoulder and making sure somebody else is too. It's not overt; like yeah. you have to be next to him to know he's doing it. But he's been everything I'd hoped he'd be, and more. Carson, the last two outings of fall, I, I felt like started to trend in the right direction, and then it's been more of the same these two outings in preseason. Just what have you seen from him, and, and what do you think is starting to kind of click for him? I think he's, I think he's very confident in his arsenal right now. Mm. I think the fastball, his, his ability to locate his fastball, particularly down, has been very good. Running it either off the barrel to a lefty or on, you know, from the hip to the hands, right. I think that's been really good. The slider to both lefties and righties has been really helpful. I just... I walked in here and saw a guy who had some confidence, and, and I'm, I appreciated that. But I've watched that confidence continue to evolve. And I think justifiably so. He's walking with a taller gait right now. He's The way he does things, even just his PFPs look more confident. And I can't tell you there was like a light bulb moment. Right. I think with Carson, it's just structured, intentional, um, frequent work and – He's just kind of like like the compound effect. He's just stacked good days on right. good days. And the guy you saw or we saw on Saturday, um, I hope that can continue. I don't know if he'll keep getting better because I don't know how much better you can be yeah. than he was on Saturday. Yeah. But, you know, he has the appreciation for the need to locate pitches. But I think he also has the appreciation for margin for error to some degree. Like, hey, man, you banged an 85-mile-an-hour slider and it went right through the middle of the plate. You effectively blew it by a guy. Like, yes, we're going to be process-oriented, but it's okay to cut yourself some slack and say, hey, my stuff allows me margin for error that some guy with average stuff just doesn't have. So you can forget the bad pitch quicker because we got a great result and you can just go right back to work. Uh, He's another one, like, just – matched what I thought he'd be and, and quite honestly exceeded it right. as a person yeah. and a performer. Baumeister, I mean, he's always had that fastball quality and, and it always plays, but 
you know, he's working with the new slider this year, and also it seems like the changeup's improving every time he's out there. Just, just what have you seen from him? Man, he, he's a fun guy to coach. He loves baseball. He watches. But, you know, I, I marvel at, like, not Florida State, not Notre Dame, just in general. I guess I assume, like, when there's a baseball game on TV, everybody who plays college baseball is watching it. In reality, like, there's guys who love to play it, and then there's guys who also love to watch it. Mm-hmm. A lot of guys who play it at a high level don't watch it. You know, yeah. you ask, who's your favorite big league team? Ah, I just like watching Kershaw pitch. Um, Jackson loves baseball, and he loves to be coached, and he loves to, like, watch the game, and he's – it's been very collaborative back and forth in terms of how we can optimize him. Now, he's got these four pitches. What the right mix is for him to miss bats and barrels, I think we're still figuring out. The slider has improved. The best version of that slider has different velocity than the curveball. It's got, right. like, if the curveball's going to run in there at 80, I would like the slider run in there at 86 or 87, even if it's a non-depth pitch. I think if you run that slider in there – at 86, 87, and he's pitching at 92 to 96. Even if it lacks, even if the velocity kills induced vertical break, I think you'll actually see him blow the slider by guys. I know it sounds silly, but that pitch separation coupled with, like, the the movement pattern profile of his stuff I think is, is really good. Now it's just a matter of when it's two strikes, when we need second and third, less than two outs, when we need to go get a guy. Yeah. What's the pitch? You know, Wyatt has the slider. Monty's got the slider. Witt's got the changeup. Um, I think J-Bomb's got the makings of a couple of those pitches. I really want to hone in on what that is, you know? Yeah. You just mentioned Seawit, uh, I mean, the changeup. I mean, the other day on Sunday, you guys had to go, like, three extra batters to get yeah. him to the pitch count. I mean, just the the consistency, the efficiency, and, and the ability to create weak contact from him, how, how impressive is that? From the first day, the way he gone, he's gone about his business, his level of maturity, his view of the game has been so impressive. Um, an unbelievable kid. And a kid who I think sometimes like J-Bomb and Carson, the hype that surrounds them coming into college can be a bit of a burden. You know, you're kind of carrying those cinder blocks to either live up to the standard or, you know, try and you know try and exceed it for Connor who came in as kind of an underappreciated type to watch what he did last year and then kind of continue that now he's got some expectation now he's got some real responsibility and it fundamentally just hasn't changed him as a person Mm -hmm. his fastball command throughout the preseason had been in and out until Saturday um what was it Sunday 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 sorry Jesus (laughs) But, man, that changeup is such a yeah. separator. You know, it makes that 89 to 91 just look so much firmer. Mm-hmm. He's got the slider now, which I think we can weaponize the lefties and righties, and it's just something else coming out of the same tunnel. Right. He's one of those, like, severe horizontal movement pattern guys mm-hmm. where you've got fastball changeup that mirror each other. Changeup's got depth on it. Then you get the slider on the complete other side of the horizontal spectrum that – he kind of just picked up. You know, he threw a curveball, I think, previously. Yeah. I looked at my old scouting report. Came in and said he was messing with it in the summer, the slider. Mm-hmm. And we kind of just cultivated it. And in true, like, Whitaker fashion, he just – he seems to just throw everything for a strike, yeah. you know. And mm-hmm. that level of efficiency is, you know, you're – I know the Connor Grady um, 
comp is hard to ignore because mm-hmm. it's funny. I, I said that when I came in because I remember Connor. Yeah. And then everybody I've kind of been around is like, hey, it's like great, and you know that'd be a heck of shoes to fill. But yeah. Witt has been outstanding. Jamie Arnold, he he faced off against Carson on Saturday. You know, faced a lot of the guys that may be in the starting lineup for you, and really held his own. Just his ability to not be phased as a freshman, and his ability to just pitch and with three pitches. How impressed have you been with him as a freshman? Very. He's kind of a cool customer. I think help. I think pitching at a place like Tampa Jesuit helps. Yeah. Um, just very even dude. Um, dials it up when he has to. You know, I don't think that's – I don't mean that as a non-competitor. He just kind of the same dude every day. Fastball to both sides. Slider to, can backfoot it to a righty. I think that's critically important. If you got a slider that you can only throw to lefties, it's – that can be – especially if the changeup's in and out. Shows the changeup, pitched off the fastball slider, low slot. So you don't have any, like, wicked metrics. Right. But you've got wicked optics. And I think people just fall in love with what Trackman says sometimes. But he's that combination of pitch execution and uncomfortable look that I think as he continues to mature, get bigger, faster, stronger, stuff starts to augment. I think he's got a really special future. And I love the fact that you've got a freshman who's willing to pitch in to his glove side. Um, So I think he's going to be obviously a really big piece. You you guys brought in Brennan. Oxford at the end of the Cape League uh, summer. I mean, we, we've talked about him a little bit, just being down by the bullpen, but his quirkiness, his just personality, I mean, just how much have you enjoyed working with him? I absolutely love the dude. I also have to tell him to shut up more than anybody. Yeah. Uh, I think there's times when he acts like a pressure release valve. I know that sounds weird, but like on days when – it's either the beginnings of a long inner squad or maybe we had a tough PFP session. Or he just kind of, and I don't think it's intentional, it's just like his personality, but his comedic timing is not always where I'd want it to be. But when it's on, like I said, it kind of like loosens everybody yeah. up. Um, he's a competitor. He, he's got these quirks, but most of the time they're endearing. Yeah. And when they're not, he stops and he gets right back on task. But he's seen a lot of college baseball. He had a lot of success up in the Cape. Uh, I think that, you know, what the school board might say in terms of what his fastball velocity is doesn't quite tell the story like the swings right. do. And I think that slider continues to improve. We're working on some stuff uh, for the other side of the plate. But, again, that lefty who's just willing to pound the glove mm-hmm. side. Um, when he is on the mound, I can feel the energy increase, and those guys are those guys are really valuable. Right. You guys have been able to get Doug on the mound the last two weekends for a couple innings. Just the fastball command he's been able to have, commanding it to his glove side, and then also the two breaking balls that he possesses. I mean, just how electric can he be in the back end of a bullpen? I mean, I think he's got a chance to be an elite arm and get us some critical, critical outs. I am optimistic about where the – durability the bounce back is he's somebody that has taken care of every step of his rehab to the letter he's his body is transformed his attention to detail with his time in the training room has been great he's done everything that somebody coming back from a major reconstructive surgery should do so he set himself up for success now i don't think every day is going to be sunshine and rainbows and you kind of saw that throughout his career to some mm-hmm. degree. 
but the fact that he's pitching and he can see the like the light, like, hey, I can put this uniform right. on and get people out has been really energizing to our team. And when he, you know, you see what it's like when he goes on to the mound. Yeah. We're kind of now transitioning from the clearing the hurdle of like, are you available? Can you pitch? Can you perform? To what type of frequency can we get you out there where your stuff is going to stay as elite as it looks right now? Right. But he's he's he would be a, a really valuable weapon for us. Just a couple more questions to end it. First, I mean, the two Barretts, Ben and David, the sliders they have, just how do you think they fit in for you? And especially against right-handers, how much of a weapon do you think they can be? I was really impressed. I've been impressed with David Barrett since day one. Yeah. And, you know, he's one of those guys that does. there's not a big book out on him. Mm-hmm. You know, the junior college thing, didn't pitch a whole lot last year. But I remember watching the first bullpens and thinking to myself, you know, in addition to the slider, sometimes the fastball looks like it's shot out of a cannon. Yeah. Um, and it's got some nice – he's got actually a pretty good changeup, too, that we're trying to get into the zone. That slider to righties is, is pretty wicked. Mm-hmm. It – he throws it so darn hard that sometimes the fastball slider, like you've got hard, hard, you yeah. know, 92 or 93, 86, 87, 88. So in the absence of velocity differential, the need for vertical change becomes critical. Sometimes that slider acts like a cutter which we can weaponize, but sometimes it's got the real depth on it. You saw it last weekend where the second strike to Tibbs and Carlson Mm -hmm. were these wicked two-plane sliders, and the two-strike pitch was a bit more horizontal. So we're trying to get a consistent movement pattern on him, but he's going to need to be a weapon for us. Against lefties and righties, Um, and and he's a worker. He's one of Sarasota kids who knows baseball. Mm -hmm. Benny Barrett, the ball just doesn't stop moving. You know, whether that fastball is 88 or 93, and we've seen both, the ability to square that up for a hitter is really hard. Now, the blessing of that is obvious. The curse of it is sometimes when it's moving that much, commanding it can be a challenge. Ben is freakishly athletic, athletic. He's freakishly strong. The ball does some wicked things. So him finding that fastball command is going to be critical. The slider has improved Tremendously, and when he really like bangs that pitch through the zone yeah. at 82, 83, that horizontal differentiation is, is critical. We're working at the changeup. We need something that exists in the middle of severe horizontal movement on the fastball and severe glove side movement on the slider. Um, so that changeup would be a really nice uh, complement right. when you're talking about the optics and the tunneling of the pitches. But he gets on the mound and he casts a very imposing posture. He's kind of like a goofy, like, good-natured dude. But, man, he's a competitor. And it's been good. It needs to clean up a little as far as the strikes on efficiency. But, man, I feel good when he's on the mound. I do. And then just lastly, I mean, you've you've been here plenty of times as an opposing coach. But to be in the home dugout, I mean, I know you've been in both dugouts here. To be in the home dugout and, and be a coach coaching here at Florida State in the Garnet and Gold, just how excited are you to be here in 10 days with, with Packed House? I saw my jersey for the first time uh, a couple of days ago with the mm-hmm. name on it. You know, and I know I think it like literally came out today, yeah. you know, the video of the names are going back on the right. jerseys. But I kind of had to you know, stop myself. And I think if you're a coach, you just become like a student and a lover of college baseball. And the first time I came here, I think it was like 2014, 
remember just marveling at it, you know, K-Time and the animals. And I had to be the visitor for guys like Parrish and Weaver and Sands and, you know, just keep going. Um, like to hear the K-Time and be on the, uh, the good end of that, yeah. you know, to have met like some of the animals and uh, to work in a field that's named after the winningest coach in the history of college baseball. Like it's um, – it's why you leave a place that was home for 12 years okay. and uproot your family and like changing all that. Like that was to get opportunity to work at the best college baseball environment that there is. Like nothing screams college baseball like the Cowser Stadium. And I've, I've seen, I don't want to say I've seen all of it, but I've seen a lot yeah. of it. And how the fans treat you here as a visiting coach, like it's hard and hostile and, and you got to combat the crowd. But there's the element of professionalism, respect that they had for us as visitors that I found so endearing. Yeah. But they changed the game. The fans changed the game in, you know, in a positive way for the uniform I'm wearing now. Right. The town, the people, like just what it means to Florida State and, and, the, and the city is – I expected a lot and it's exceeded my expectations. I'm so, so thankful and proud to wear this uniform. Appreciate it, Coach. Thanks, Brett.